You know, sometimes there is a gap between the opinions of professional film critics and everyday filmgoers. Often their sensibilities vary wildly. One could say there's a division between them. Much like today's film, which could also be called divisive, if not inflammatory at the very least. However, considering this being our first Palme d'Or winning film to be explored on the podcast, I don't think there's one that could be more timely. So today, we're all aboard as we ask the question, Triangle of Sadness, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Boy Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. And today, we have a very special guest on the podcast with us. Seth, would you please do the honors? Yeah, we got my good uh, brother from another mother uh, here, uh, Ruben Adorno. Uh, He is an actor. Uh, He works for a digital media company, you said? Yeah, Digital Theater Plus. Digital Theater Plus. Uh, he's also uh, my partner's best friend. So, uh, yeah, we uh, she recently. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, recently suggested I reach out to Ruben uh, to be on the podcast, and here we are. So I'm stoked, and he picked a great movie too. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, as much as excited as I am to have you on the show, I just want you to know I'm coming for that spot. Come for that top spot. (laughs) The best friend spot? Yeah, I'm coming for that spot. (laughs) You might might have some years on me, but I'm coming for it. (laughs) Yes, Ruben, we're we're very excited to have you on the show. Uh, You did pick a a movie that is going to be very interesting to talk about, but along that lines, it's also going to be a very interesting movie to have amongst the other films that we've done on this podcast. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be is, one of those interesting ones. One I think those... this is only the second movie we've done that has been in theaters. Uh, no, that. third. Yeah. Third. The third? So we did, so we did uh, Everything Everywhere All Once, but we also did uh, The Batman. That's right. Great movie, that's right. Everything Everywhere All Yeah, so that's, one, that's one of my favorites ones we've done so far. Uh, this is one of This is probably one of the smallest movies that we've done on this podcast, along the, along with like – Swiss Army Man, which I is one of my favorite movies. Uh, so this one's going to be interesting because I think this is definitely going to be one of the more niche ones that we talk about, but very interesting, very very unique for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruben, may I ask why did you pick Triangle of Sadness? Because had you seen it before you picked it, or did you want to see it and then you're like, I also then want to talk about it on the show. Yeah, that's a great question. So I already in my head knew that I wanted to talk about everything everywhere all at once, but Sarah told me that you guys had already done that. And I was like, no, that was her. episode. Yeah. That's such a great movie, but um, that's why you're best friends. Yeah, exactly. I had just, uh, I recently got a regal membership, like, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like an AMC membership membership. So I've been seeing a lot of movies and I just saw tar. Have you Mm -hmm. guys seen tar? I have, yeah. uh, I have not seen it, but I'd heard of it. So good. Kate Blanchett is in it, and it's just like amazing. And I was like, I was toying between that. I had just seen it, though. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm going to do this podcast. I want to kind of, I don't want to, I want to have a new experience, you know? So I was like, let me just choose a movie that I saw a trailer for that looks pretty freaking cool. Let's go with that. Um, so I chose Triangle of Sadness off the trailer from Tar. And I was like, let's, let's go in talking about this. This looks like a weird one. So wait, I have to clear something up for my own stand. When have you and Ruben met? 
we see so we were just talking about this before you hopped on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We, we we think at maybe at one point when uh when we were all in LA, I think maybe we all like met in passing. Like at like okay. I think maybe like Sarah and Ruben were like going out to hang out and like me and you were hanging out at like the apartment or something like that. Okay. I I feel like we yeah. met one time, but it was very brief. It was brief and I think you guys were like about to play a board game or something and then Sarah and I were gonna like go out and do something. Yeah, it might have been Magic accurate. the Gathering. That's probably accurate. Probably Magic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I think that's what it was. It was at the uh, your old place. This is completely off topic. Did you know that Post Malone is a huge Magic the Gathering fan? Yes, we talked we about, Yes. <laughs> I, we talk I, about it my, constantly. <laughs> my friend recently got me into Magic. Um, I'm like very beginner. I barely know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but she's really into it, and she's like, and I love board games. I, you know, it's a card game, mm-hmm. whatever. She's like, you know, come play. So I've been watching a lot of YouTube to like learn how to play. And I saw mm-hmm. Post Malone on there. I'm like, wait, what the hell? Post Malone yeah. is a huge Magic fan? Wait a minute, Ruben. Are you telling me that you've stuck your toe into the world of Magic the Gathering? You shouldn't have told just them. A, just a dip. You shouldn't have told just them Just a that. dip. Um, you know, like Sarah, I, Sarah plays now. And she has, oh, her, she? she has her own commander deck. So I'm definitely going to be relaying that information down the line. If if this helps you guys understand where I am, where I'm at with Magic, I like literally have like the beginner deck with only like the four different, you know, colors. Like it's nothing serious. Like I don't have anything cool. I'm just like, oh, so this is how you play, and you know, very beginner. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> you shouldn't have told him that. He's gonna be hitting yeah, you up. No, I... He's gonna be hitting you up. You want to play some Magic? <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! That's very fun. But yeah, Posty is a big Magic fan. We talk about it all the time because he makes us seem cooler. <laughs> I mean, he has the smell. They say he doesn't bathe. Which? Uh, well, <laughs> Why would yeah, you say that? that. <laughs> you, because that's unfortunately the truth. It, 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 like the there's a there's a magic stigma. There's a magic stigma, and it's accurate. <laughs> It's like if you ever walk into a Magic the Gathering tournament, it's just the smell of body odor and Doritos, just like yeah. <laughs> there's a the there's a magic stigma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds nice when you say it like that. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? It actually kind of uh, as weirdly like off topic as it might not, this conversation might seem. There's actually something a little bit kind of on topic, which is like Post Malone in general as a celebrity. You know, like this movie. A lot of it is about like you know very wealthy people and the the beauty yeah. of their lives and things like that. And Post Malone is like so antithetical to that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. he he is super wealthy and rich and successful, but he carries himself in such a different way in a lot of in a lot yeah. of that. So he kind of bucks that trend a little bit that this movie is positing. Way to rein us in, Ricky. Good job. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. <laughs> Thank you. Boom. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, so it seems like I might have even. What, when did you see the movie uh, Triangle of Sadness? Like, what day did you see it? Um, I saw it Monday. This past Monday, uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. So I just literally saw it. Yeah. Two so days ago. I was the first person to actually see it. When did you see it? I saw it last Wednesday, right after we finished our podcast. Here, I went and right and saw it right away. Oh, okay. Okay. Nice. So I was the what first you- one. Oh, um, what was everyone's gut reaction? So this is what I'll say. It wasn't my favorite movie ever. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of it. I thought it had a really fun vibe. 
I, and fun maybe is a weird word to use, but it, like even because like I'm gonna put this out there, and I, I like to do this sometimes for some of our listeners who are like our certain members of our family and stuff like that. Um, because me and Seth are probably the most like film buff people of our families. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna warn y'all out there: this movie is not for everybody. No, a lot of people that see this movie will come <laughs> away and be like, "What the." F did I just watch? Yes. Exactly. A lot of my family would not enjoy this movie, not even a little bit, and they would question why I would ever tell them to see this movie. So mm-hmm. officially I'm saying most of you out there probably will not want to watch this movie. And if you do watch this movie, you'll probably be like, why does everybody think this is good? However, mm-hmm. I think there is such a tongue-in-cheek humor to this, and it it does just go completely crazy. Like during this, like that, this like very extended. It's kind of in the trailer, but I'm not going to spoil it until we talk about it later. We'll, we'll talk going to our feels of him. There's that long extended sequence on the boat, mm-hmm. and it just revels in its just grotesque, disgusting mm-hmm. nature. And I, honestly, I thought that was hilarious. I thought yeah. it was so funny. It was gross and sad at the same time, but but couldn't help but like be really really funny and. I'll say maybe a little heavy handed with its with its message, which very, might be very much, which so. might be, turn some people off to it, especially people who disagree with that message. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I had a pretty fun time with it. I thought it was a I, I didn't know I went in having seen the trailer, but not really remembering much about it other than it was like the models. Yeah, um, same. And, and so I was like, oh, I remember the, there's some models or something in this. Um, but I didn't remember anything else about the story. So I went in completely blind and was very surprised and, and taken aback, but enjoyed the ride ultimately. Uh, yeah. What about for you, Ruben? What was your experience with it as the next person to officially have seen it? You know what? I thought it was – I do think it was a little heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it so much because it wasn't trying to be – something it mm-hmm. was pretty simple actually mm-hmm. pretty simple movie it and it got its message across it wasn't trying to do too many things and it left me thinking and i, I appreciate a story that doesn't have like a pretty little bow at the end mm-hmm. you know like i don't want that hallmark stuff i want like let me i'm you know it's it was truly art i felt like like mm-hmm. it's on the wall and we're all going to interpret this differently. It is a gorgeous film, even amongst its like gross moments. It's like a, it's very pretty. Yeah, and that's the kind of, kind of the point, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even beyond beyond the models in the movie, who actually the did you know that the main actress passed away? She passed away. Yeah. Yeah. She had a From, she had an infection of something some kind. Yeah, it was wild. Um, yeah. But uh, like, not only were the people. It, it, it was so interesting. Like the the models were beautiful, and then also some people were just fully not. Mm-hmm. And like the that like unspoken kind of how those two people, how those worlds collide, mm-hmm. and what we get from each other, and what what are you giving me? What am I giving you? Throughout the entire movie, I watched. I don't know about you guys. I watched it with my partner, and that made it very uncomfortable. Really, because we've had some of those conversations. Uh, so it was like, I was literally watching my relationship on the screen. And I was mm. like, 
whoa, this is too much right now. Like, this is a lot going on. Because um, Ruben's a male model. We forgot to mention yeah, that. Yeah, because I'm a male model and he can't handle it. No, it's because, um, like, you know, just conversations about finances and things mm-hmm. like that's come up. So, like, watching it with my partner and us both watching it was, like, was very interesting. Like, and then how it played out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to give anything away. But how the movie played out and how gender roles and, you know, I would say even not even gender roles, but like power dynamics yeah. were switched. It was very interesting. I, I really appreciated that. Exactly. And Seth, as a fellow male model, <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, my man? Uh, so I, I had no expectation going into this movie. Well, I, other than the title, which is misleading. Um, and I was kind of pissed. Like it was like three 30 in the afternoon. <laughs> man, I have to go to the, I have to go to the movie theater Ah, uh, like Ruben, uh, this better be fucking good. That's what that was, that's what I was saying to Sarah. We had to t- we we brought her dad with us, you know, uh, to see a matinee, and uh, I so I had no expectations. I was I, w- I sat down and it blew my face off. Like I love this movie. Uh, I think if I only have uh, my only complaint is that it's long. Um, is a little, a little long. long. It's not. It's not uh, boring. But uh, it is long, and I think the second act is a masterpiece. I think that uh, the boat, all the boat stuff, is just like s- saying so much, like so so much. It's a perfect allegory, and like um, I, I think you could cut off a lot of the the last bit. I think the a lot of the island stuff. Like it's important to go there for what the story is telling, but I think like it's not it's not doing anything that we haven't seen before you know mm-hmm. um but the second act it, like is incredible um yeah so i think i think there's a uh there is a mother load of things to talk about with this movie mm-hmm. a lot of themes, themes to glean yeah, yeah and and how it affects uh like you know i mean i i Ruben, had you had any opportunity to listen to our other stuff before this? Not yet, no. Okay, so um, what we kind of do is we do figure out what it's about in the sense, like, thematically. But then we try to internalize it and figure out how it affects us and, like, how it relates to us from our perspective. Like, basically, like, group therapy, sort of, Mm -hmm. but hopefully Mm -hmm. less problematic. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We take the movie, we talk about... about yeah, like analytically, what we think the movie is about, and then, and then we also then like we become a little bit ref- self reflective of what does that mean to us, and how was emotionally did we experience that film, and, and right. things like that. So, and and we weave in and out of those conversations of like yeah. the analytical and the emotional. Um, okay, and we'll, well, you, we'll you've already done it. Bit. You've already yeah. done it talking about your relationship. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So. You look at that. <laughs> wonderful because this is the way we actually watch movies right mm-hmm. like yeah we 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 talk about how they affect our lives because mm-hmm. that's how we can relate um yeah so ricky <laughs> yes it's time to talk about how this film came to be a little bit of film history for y'all out there mm-hmm. um just to talk about what is the context of this movie like where where emotionally did it come from the, from the artist and sometimes 
a little bit of fun trivia for some people uh, that they mm-hmm. like to. Some people like to know how the how the uh, what are they called? How the uh, how what pudding was made? Yeah, well, that, it's not usually pudding, but it's something like that. <laughs> how the cake gets baked? Yeah. <laughs> how 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 the food gets served? <laughs> okay. Uh, so this one was written directed by Ruben Ostland. Uh, Ruben Ostland has really almost exclusively only uh, directed and wrote his own stuff. Uh, so he's also credited for directing the Co- guitar mongoloid involuntary play force majeure and the square, which also won the Palme d'Or um, a few years prior in 2017. Uh, he is also credited for writing the guitar mongoloid involuntary play force majeure, the square and also downhill, which was based on his film force majeure. So this is the comprehensive story of how the Triangle of Sadness came to hit our TV screens or film screens, movie theater screens. So coming off hot, coming hot off the heels of his 2017 Palme d'Or winning film, The Square, at Cannes Film Festival, critically acclaimed Swedish writer-director Ruben Ostland announced that he already had his mind set on his next project. Inspired by his wife, Ostland's next project would be a wild satire exploring the world of high fashion and the lives of the uber-rich, called The Triangle of Sadness, which would also mark the director's first English-language feature film debut. However, much like the plot of this film itself, things would not go quite as planned. Pre-production on this film began in the summer of 2018. As Ostland continued to research and develop the script, the casting process had also begun, which would continue all the way through the end of 2019. It is rumored that over 120 actors auditioned for the lead role of Carl before Harrison Dickinson uh, took the role, and some interviews Austin mentioned that the difficulties in casting Dickinson's co-lead, the role of Yaya, uh, before his wife recommended South African actress model Cheryl B. Dean, who would ultimately get cast in the role just months before principal photography was set to begin in Sweden and Greece in February of 2020. And I think you all can guess what's going to happen next. About a month into a scheduled seven-day shoot, the pandemic hit. A production uh, and production on the film was forced to stop with just over a third of the film shot. During lockdown, they began post-production on the footage they had already filmed, resuming shooting in late June, which would allow Woody Harrelson to wrap his role. However, once again, the production was halted in early July and resumed again in September before finally wrapping in November of 2020. Triangle of Sadness made its official premiere at the 2022 Cannes Film Festival, where Ostland once again would take home the Palme d'Or, widely considered to be the film industry's most prestigious award, making Ostland one of only a handful of directors to win the award more than once. The film made its North American premiere at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival and officially hit theaters in early October where it has received a respectable 71% on Rotten Tomatoes and has grossed over $7 million worldwide on an estimated $15 million budget. Triangle of Sadness may get lost at sea for many filmgoers, but at least it's not afraid to rock the boat, no matter how seasick it makes us. If you get it. Yeah, if you get it, you get it. If you get it, you get it. (laughs) All right, that is the story of Triangle of Sadness. So, yeah, uh, this film had a, a pretty... Uh, tumultuous uh, pr- production. 
uh, with the pandemic hitting right in the middle. This film basically took five years to get into theaters from con- from conception and development to actually making its debut. That's kind of a lot for a, for an indie film. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Like, I don't think people understand how much time, effort, and money money goes yeah. into making movies. Like, and we're churning them out now. Now, mm-hmm. like streaming services, like everyone's doing it. And like, what did you say that they had shot in like seven days or had planned to do a seven day? Seventy shoot? days. Oh, 70. Okay, I was like seven days. That's insane. But no, that's, that's, that's still. It takes a lot of time to yeah. make a movie. And I think people forget about that. Um, and apparently, yeah. Ostland loves to do a lot of takes. On average, they said he or he said that he does about twenty to twenty-three takes per sh- per scene, wow. if not per shot. It's crazy. Wow. So that's like it might just be one angle, twenty takes of like one angle. Mm-hmm. Well, there's like there's I forget who said it, but uh, it's uh, a <laughs> uh, a quote is that every movie is a miracle. Right, like the fact that any movie gets made is a miracle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really um, is. Until until you've worked on a movie, you don't realize how insane it is that a any movie ever gets made, and then how even crazier it is that ev- any movie comes out well. Because mm-hmm. like at, at any given step in the process, from the writing to the film to the shooting to the editing to the sound, at any point, this movie can get can get completely destroyed. And yeah. so you just never know, man. It's crazy. Well, uh, and yet, I mean, this movie, this movie post, like the stuff it's trying to say is pretty like a little ahead of its time a, a bit. Well, now it's of its time, but when it was being developed a little bit ahead of itself. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't know. There's there. I I think this movie is saying exactly what needs to be said right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I think, ballsy of this person to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, And then I think they it, it's executed quite well. But, I mean, it could have gone very poorly, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, very poorly, timing-wise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It, so the film costs way more than I expected it to. When I when I after I'd seen it and then I looked at what the budget was when I was doing my research, fifteen million dollars is quite a bit of money. Yeah. For a, for an indie film, especially a film this small, who's, I mean, at this point, it's been out for a, a, about a month or so. It probably doesn't have too much longer in theaters. It nobody, probably's not. It's probably not going to be a profitable film. Yeah, nobody knows about this movie. Yeah. I, I had I had no idea. You know, it may I, get a bump at around Oscar season if it gets if it yeah. gets a nom. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like I'm, it's going to make it. I'm curious to learn more about how that's all working now. Like, all right, it was $15 million to make the movie. You made $7 million in theaters. Now, though, like movies are transitioning into mm-hmm. like, you know, you can purchase them on Amazon or maybe they're being acquired by like HBO Max or Hulu or whatever because mm-hmm. they need content constantly. Yeah. Yes, they do. So... I'm wonder. I'm curious to know, like, okay, maybe you only made seven million in theaters. How much is, you know, HBO Max going to pay you to acquire so that? That's a very good question, and I'm not sure. So this film was the right. The film distribution rights were acquired for eight million dollars. So I don't know if that goes into its box office. 
if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um. So it may be already like in the in the black, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you add that eight million onto an already seven million in box office, yeah. it's probably right around the budget. So it's probably breaking, breaking even. even. Yeah. Um. And like you said, like you said, there hasn't been home video streams yet. There hasn't been, uh, there hasn't been a a, a streamer that's acquired the rights for 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 streaming yet, which will then also probably add on to that. So probably eventually, it. I would say, I think for the producers at least, it probably is going to be, vi- like break even if not make just a smidge of profit, mm-hmm. and that. But that's if the right those that money goes to those producers and not to like some other company yes some other holding company of some sort i i feel like i'm gonna take us off topic but it reel doesn't me back matter in. If, I take, if i if i go too off topic reel me back in but um something that i really appreciated about this film and something i, I know this is not an a24 film but something i really appreciate about a24 is that they don't give a flying f about or it feels like they don't care that much about the money it actually feels more like they care more about the art mm-hmm. of filmmaking and i may offend you <gasps> i am not a huge superhero fan no. i'm offended but, but that's gonna i mean come on those are making what like 500 million dollars every more time they so, come out yeah yeah like oh that stuff is just like saturating the market and it, and it makes sense because you know you're if you're a producer, you probably want to make money. That's your goal. Mm. But what I appreciate about this film is I felt like it was more important for them to say whatever they, for Ruben to say whatever he had to say yeah. than to make money. Fuck yeah. What was said in this movie is I, I'm, 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 I'm blown away. The things that were said in this movie, uh, because the, I think the, I'm still wrapping my head around it a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, the phrase, the phrase that's used, but I think it's, I think it is a major touchstone. Seth, you're uh, getting ahead of yourself. I know because I want to talk about all the good stuff. <laughs> okay. 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 By the way, uh, Ruben, get off the show. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended because I'm a, I write all those of your hero movies. I wrote them all. No, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Ruben, about that. Uh, like, Basically, I, I, you know, I grew up a superhero fan and things, um, but I'm so sick of it. Like post in game, like I just don't care. I just can't because mm-hmm. there's no stakes anymore. The stakes are money. They just want money. Yeah. And it's not it's 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 so bound by the formula that it can't it can't be. It's it's no longer true self-expression. Like I think originally they were it was art they were able to do it but now it's like just too mainstream and too bound but mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what's cool about this movie right like what's cool about this movie is it's trying to break down those structures and show the truth of what's really going on with people yep uh and uh yeah so i i, I fully agree mm-hmm. that superhero awesome. movies are gross <laughs> well <laughs> I have a surprise for you later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I, I have a along. feeling I know. Actually, that, yeah. I, if it's what I think it is, uh, I, I do agree. But we have to see it. Yeah. Um, so, 
Uh, we're going to move right along. Uh, before we talk about what this film is about for us, we want to remind folks at home what it is. Uh, what is the general story, or at least the general logline of this film? So, Seth, you know what time it is. It's time, it's time to, to flog the log. That's right. We're <laughs> flogging the log today, everybody. So, <laughs> this is the game that Seth and I have made. Um, where I am going to, I've written the log line that I think is right for this movie, um, because we were we we're using the INDB and like Rotten Tomatoes ones, and we found that they didn't quite do it for us. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Why don't I practice writing my own? As a writer, I should be better at writing log lines. So, mm-hmm. and then Seth started scoring me on a scale of one to ten. Uh, and so, uh, Ruben, since you're here today, you're also going to be able to score me on a scale of one to 10 and how well Perfect. of a, of a log line you think this is for triangle of sadness and, and Let's do it. No, don't be nice. It's gotta okay. be, yeah, gotcha. be honest, be honest, yeah, be honest. I'm on it. Okay. So here's the log line that I've written for triangle of sadness, a yacht trip in the world of the obscenely beautiful and affluent takes a wildly shocking turn. I think that's pretty accurate. Wait, do it. Read it one more time. Okay, 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 okay. <clears throat> I'll do it in the in the in the the trailer guy voice. <clears throat> a yacht trip in the world of the obscenely beautiful and affluent takes a wildly shocking turn. I give it a six. A six? Oh, that's harsh, buddy. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll take the six. I, I'm gonna give it a six point five. Six point five. Only- no. Only because I feel like it doesn't include Act One. Yeah, so so that makes sense. Okay, so I'll it's explain. It's hard to my... do a log line for this because yes. there's three separate acts that are yes. almost like three different movies. I'll explain myself in just a second. Let me let me tally up my my new total for you guys. So, with that being a average between the two of you of a six point two five, I'm gonna add that into my spreadsheet which I made yesterday. Six point two five. Okay, we're gonna add that in. We're gonna change the score. Calculating. My new score went from eight point zero three average to a seven point eight seven average. So that did drop me down a bit. Not happy about it, but I'm still above a seven. I'm trying to trying to keep myself above a seven. This one sounds rough. This one's hard. It's hard because hard. again, for this what we Throughout the time we've done this Flog the Log game, we've talked about what should be the goal of the game as far as, like, me, uh, what should, like, help guide how I write these instead of just, like, talking about what the story is, instead of just talking about, you know, giving the plot of the story, should I – I should be trying to sell the film, right? The log line is, like, something you're Mm -hmm. supposed to use to, like, hook somebody, right? Mm. Um, So for me, this one's not so much about the story as it is about the setup. The setup is the sell, Right. Yeah, and you don't want to give away for anybody because, like I said, for me it was nice going in not knowing where, how bad this thing goes. Um, I think I think you do have to like give the audience a an inkling of what to expect. Mm-hmm. So, like maybe like a morbid comedy would be like okay, like like a little blend to. So instead uh, of a yeah. Uh, uh, Okay, so that would like to be something I would add on to the front. I mean, I think I think this movie is so unique. You could mm-hmm. be kind of vague about the plot entirely, mm-hmm. and be like a morbid comedy about the lives of the rich and affluent. 
like some some you know what I'm saying like it's giving you a I feel image. like that's so vi- I feel like that's so generic though. Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like I really liked your logline and the only thing that was missing were like stakes and by that mm. I mean like who are we, who do we care about? Gotcha. Nobody. Well, I think the two models, right? That's what it was all about. Like it was about know. them experiencing because they're to they're my our understanding, lens, yeah. Yeah, they were like our point of view that it was constantly changing the power dynamic throughout the entire film. Mm. Um through the situations they were going through, which I found pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's fair. You, I don't. I don't take offense. I, I'm very open to criticism. That's just kind of where I was coming from. I was like, I was like, I feel like this film is about the setup. The setup is like what's going to get people to go see the movie. Right? I would agree with that. Yeah. Um. So I tried to try to capture that as much as possible because, like you said, it's too. It's way too wild to explain the plot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But fair enough. Like I said, I'm cool. It's fine. Get off my show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Both of you, out of here. I'll do this myself. All right. We're so, going to lock ourselves in the captain's quarters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So now that we've flogged the log and you guys have flogged me, gosh damn it. <laughs> uh, it's time for us to get to the titular question. Uh, Seth, would you like to ask our guest yeah. the question? All right. Ruben, mm. the triangle of sadness. Yes. What's it about? That is a great question. I'm still like mulling that over because I think it's about a lot of things. I had a lot of things to say. I would say to the core, what I took from it, even though it is about, you know, power dynamics and money and, you know, a very interesting satire on everything that we're supposed to care about, you know, wealth and beauty and all that stuff. I think really what it boiled down to for me is I think the triangle of sadness is I think it could be interpreted a couple different ways. I think um, one way it could be interpreted is the actual triangle of sadness in the movie, which is there's always two people and something else that they both want. So there's always something that they're fighting for. And then another way to interpret it could be like, wealth looks and whatever other love maybe that we're always aspiring to be that or get that always is going to you know involve some sort of sadness so i interpreted it that way Mm. um what about you guys Mm. seth what do you think of ruben's interpretation uh i think I I I, I kind of like didn't even think about the triangle. Seth, you're such a structure nerd. Yeah, I didn't, you didn't think, think about, about that. Triangle. I didn't think. I mean, like I I could have, you know, uh, but oh okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I could have thought of that. But I don't want to. <laughs> hey, no, I, no. I I had that thought and I said get out of there. Thought that's stupid. <laughs> no, that's that's not what I mean. Like I I I think Ruben's definitely like accurate. Uh about what about I, I i don't know i well it's I such an interesting so it's, it's such an interesting thing so ruben has kind of nailed like the like what's the word i'm looking for it's like the uh in music it's called uh uh gosh what's the work of uh gosh gosh there's a word in music for this uh but basically it's when in music when 
the music matches with like the lyric basically. So like if someone says the word like up and their note goes up, it's that it's like that it's like it's that. So like it has this like connection between like what you're seeing and the underlining like composition underneath like the matches and stuff like that. Const- constants the con. It's it's I can't remember the word. I'm so mad because uh, it's such a great word. Um, but that like the idea of the triangle of sadness being this like metaphor but also being written into the actual yeah, fabric of I love the it. scenes i love it when it's, a movie it's, says exactly. the name of the movie <laughs> yes yep. um but like but what i mean is like the fact ruben's like in every scene there's at least two people and then there's a thing and yeah. that thing is it's causing this power struggle and i think that can be that's that's is life whenever you have a relationship between two people or like you get two people in a room and this is almost like a scene writing 101. There's what you have one character, you have another character. Prosody. Thank you so much, Ruben. Ruben put it in the chat. Prosody. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, Prosody is, yeah, when these, when something in the music matches like the lyrics and things like that. Um, it's great. And I, I, th- I like to use it for writing too. When like your, your pacing or when your, theme of like this triangle also is matched in the structures of the scene as well um i as i, I, I want to be clear i'm not i wasn't uh hating on ruben we know you're just teasing you yeah yeah, yeah yeah i i just am like i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out what i'm, I'm like the triangle of sadness i do see i i went I'm having a hard time expressing myself regarding the triangle. <laughs> well, so that's I think, what therapy is for. Exactly. Let it all out, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, like I said, writing one-on-one is you in a scene. You have one person and they want a thing. You have another person and they usually want the opposite thing, yeah. right? And that's that's the triangle. That's like what it is. Like you, that is, and I think this movie really highlights that because it's making the things they want the same thing, but in different ways. I was just going to say something that just came to me is another triangle of sadness that I saw in the movie that I thought was brilliant was, you know, like Downton Abbey, like they would have, yeah, (laughs) small show, no one's, you know, Um, well, you know, when, when they were talking about like class at that time, it was like people who were uber wealthy and then the people who lived under them. Mm -hmm. What I thought was so fascinating about that movie is how they've modernized class mm-hmm. because there are people who can afford to be on the yacht there are people who work for the people who can afford to be on the yacht and then there are people who work for the middleman mm-hmm. the lowest of the low yeah and i thought that and I, that was another triangle of sadness i saw like that made me think back to my restaurant days like the dishwashers the line cooks are doing the most work and get paid yep. least yep and I'll, i'm taking an order from someone who this is a giveaway in the movie who is telling me that we have a Branzino on the menu that we don't have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like that's so fascinating to me that I haven't, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has explored that. Yeah. Uh, I was a dishwasher. So I totally get that. I was a dishwasher for one summer. Never again, yeah. never, ever again. They accused Hard me of work. stealing. <laughs> what? They thought I stole a whole crate of uncooked ribs. It's like, how would I get away with that? <laughs> what the hell? So I, I get it. I think I figured it out. What okay. I'm trying to say. Uh, so I think the reason I I don't buck what you're saying, 
about the triangle of sadness i think you're actually totally accurate that this is what this movie is doing is naming this right like the thing about this film is it's not offering any solutions no Mm -hmm. there is no answers to this human problem so yeah i i do agree with you like it it is it is this triangle of sadness is creating a structure for us to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry. So I guess what I was trying to do is like, I'm, I'm thinking about the actual, I'm not thinking structurally this time. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I kind of got a blip a little bit when I had to switch, switch brains uh, to talk about this movie structure, because that's I guess that's, because that's, I guess that's really what this movie is doing. Um, is creating a structure for us to to talk about the themes in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are no there are no answers uh, right. per se. I we're ta- now that we're talking about structure. I also feel like we, I mean, you know, like three act structure. I felt like this movie was very simple in its structure. Mm-hmm. Like this is the setup this is the main event this is how everything pans out in each act mm-hmm. um and i think what your log line was tying into and now i understand that a little bit better is it really mo- is more about what happens so mm-hmm. we can talk about it exactly yeah it's it's not it's saying something it's not trying to be overly complicated it's actually quite simple the mm-hmm. movie's simple and it just wants us to have a conversation about what's going on. So you want to increase that score on my log line? Yeah, I'm going to give you a 7.5. I'll recalculate later. (laughs) Yay. Uh, But yeah, I absolutely agree. And and this is something I thought of. So I have a science background. I did uh, a lot of uh, biochemistry and chemistry in college. Uh, And so looking at this, so there's a a constant um, or at least a symbol that represents change or represents the, the, the change from one thing to another and it's the it's called delta delta is the the dynamics of one of the change over time from one thing to another and that measurable change difference um and delta for anybody that doesn't know the greek alphabet is a triangle mm-hmm. and, and so what's i think this movie does so well is ruben you mentioned there's a constant change in power dynamics it's the it's constant change in this now this person has power now this person has power now this person has the power now this person has the power and it's this triangle going back and forth it is this constant change it is this delta of of entropy and chaos um so i thought that was really interesting that like the triangle of sadness could just be like this idea of like this constant flowing state of of power changing hands um and the ever ever uh going pursuit of trying to regain the power mm-hmm. which we see throughout this film a lot is like when one person loses power that you see them try and reassert so like i love the example of like the that you kind of gave in your own way with like the woman and the sails right mm-hmm. they're on this motorized yacht and this woman comes up to this you know rich affluent woman comes up to the captain and was like i noticed i was on the deck earlier and i noticed that the sails were dirty can you clean them please <laughs> and he goes the sails are you sure she goes yes he goes ma'am we don't have sails this is a motorized vehicle mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes and she turns to her husband and she goes they were sails right and he goes yes and she goes yes they were absolutely sails 
<laughs> he's like, I guess I'll go clean them right away. You know, it's like, it's like she, in that moment, she felt stupid. She felt like her status had gotten lowered. She felt a loss of power to this, to this guy who's supposed to be serving her basically. And immediately she like grabbed the bull by the horns and just reasserted that she knows she's, she's in control, right? Do what she wants. I, I also right. think like there's something about that that's so interesting, which is like at, at all our core, all humans, what we just want is to feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're wealthy, when you have like all of us, I don't know about you guys. I'm always like money's always on my mind. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, what's next? You know what I mean? Now it's mm. now it's about power or now it's about this mm. which i find so interesting have you guys been in that situation where someone is oh i don't know i have a service background so like someone's like oh you know i want this thing and it's like well we don't have that and it's like we'll make it happen and i'm like mm-hmm. you're right i'll make it happen because what i want is money and what you're going to give me is money mm-hmm. and yeah. what you want is power so you're going to tell me what to do <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i i mean if you've ever been in service like this movie is it's perfect it's yeah and <laughs> I mean, the scene that just like kills me is the jacuzzi scene. Oh yeah, I thought oh, I was gonna bring that God. scene up because that's one of my favorite scenes too. So cringe, <laughs> oh, so painful, it's cringy. I mean, because oh my God. if you've ever been, I mean, I've been in very similar situations, you know, and it's like, it's like they want you to break the rules, and it's kind of your job to break the rules for them, but you could. You don't know where the line is and you could get in trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, for the, the servant, like it's a nightmare, you know? Mm-hmm. You see, and she, that actress plays it so well where oh, you see so it good. all over her face. Cause like we just had this whole scene <laughs> where their, their boss was like, every time a, a guest asks you something, it's yes, sir. And it's yes, ma'am. If they want and, an illegal substance. Yes, yeah. yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like, you know, like, and I mean, we've kind of, we've sort of reached this a little bit in uh, past podcasts, but like in the service world, I mean, it's a very, very thin line to a different world in terms of like what you're offering up of yourself, you know, like mm-hmm. at some point you can cross into really uncomfortable territory, you know, uh, with where your boundaries are as a server, you know, and sometimes it's, I mean, now we're, we're, we're just ah, into it, but like, uh, like at what point should you create those boundaries mm-hmm. in those scenarios, you know, and can you, and sometimes when you create boundaries, you're almost taking power back mm-hmm. when you go, no, like if, you know, like when you were talking about like drawing the line, it's like, at w- you have to internally think about at what, what am I losing yeah. for me to put yeah. up, put up a boundary to say, if we're going to stay with the server scenario, like to be like, no, we don't have that and walk away. That's going to affect your tip. But what do you get from that? Mm-hmm. Maybe well, that gives you something. Yeah, I mean, we like I said, we kind of talked about this rec- uh, recently, where we were we were talking about 
how Seth and I both sometimes are very people pleasing people. And so we will continually, yeah. So we will continually extend our boundary to encompass more and more things to please other people. And sometimes it gets us to a point where it's, de- it's become detrimental to us. How, but like you said, Ruben, however, that puts us in a position where people need us. And then mm-hmm. when we put up that boundary, it gives us a lot of power. So for ex- the example I used when we talked about this originally was my, my position at work. Um, I work at a, a place with children and I'm like the main teacher there. Um, I do sacrifice a lot as in I give up a lot of my extra time and I cover a lot of shifts and I do a lot of stuff for them. Uh, I sacrifice a lot of my own health, you know, health, mental health uh, to, to accommodate them and help them. However, what that's done for me is now when I want something, if I like need time off or if I need this or that, if I'm like, I could wreck them, which is like not always like the thing I want to do. But like if I was like unhappy enough and was like I might quit, I have a lot of power. Like there is a there is a sense of like giving up power and then get you power down the line. But at the same time, like in this situation for this for this character, this woman, where this the uh Vera, who's the one of the passengers on this yacht, is like, get in the hot tub. And she's like, I could get, you know, she could get fired for that, you know? It's inappropriate, but it's also inappropriate to say no to the customer. So she's in this position where saying no could get her fired. Saying yes could get her fired. They're almost an equal offense. And I think he did a really good job of setting up that this is not a scenario where, like, you know, the server can say no or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is a scenario where if you do say something, you will get fired. And he showed us that right away when the guy was not wearing his shirt. He got right out of there. Yeah, that's that was such a brilliant writing uh, writing, uh, uh, technique that he is showing us that this yacht has no problem getting rid of uh, getting rid of a uh, an employee for whatever reason some rich person says. Yep. And I think they even like the guest even knows that the that the employees can't say no to them. Like, of course they know. Like there's that moment when she does say no. And then you hear her like tone mm-hmm. shift where she's like, did you say no to me? Like, yeah. like, do you want to get fired? You know, like, yeah. That's so she's so like, uncomfortable. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but so I totally agree with you. There is this, grossness underneath this all. And that's honestly, Seth, uh, if you don't mind, I would love to, to, to share what I, my opinion of the film is, or at least what my yeah. theme glean is. Of course. So, because it kind of goes along with this and it's, it's the ugliness under the surface that we try to conceal with wealth and power. Mm-hmm. And love that. And, 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 you know, even like the, what, so like the triangle of sadness being like in our real world, is a is a anatomical term for and they mentioned this in the movie is this like zone kind of above your T zone on your face where like worry lines can form like so if you like mm. if you're scowling and stuff like that you create these lines here this is your triangle of sadness um you know in in the plastic surgery world that's a really simple thing to get rid of it's just like a 15 minute botox injection so like it's like this thing this ugliness can be fixed right away with a little bit of money and a little bit of power, you know, and it's, it, but underneath there's still that, that worry 
and that sadness that caused that triangle of sadness is still there. It just can't be seen because it's being covered up by beauty and, mm-hmm. and wealth. Um, and underneath a lot of these characters, like they're not necessarily terrible people. Not all of them, at least not at their heart, but there's an ugliness about them. You know, there's a human that like, I, I, can I give you mine? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it, I just want to bounce off of it a little. Cause I mm-hmm. think it's, uh, so I think you're totally right that that is true. I think to add on to it, I would say that in human nature, you're never going to be able to remove power dynamics. Mm. And I think we're at a point in society where we're realizing that and we don't know the answers. And so it's like, we are, we are like you're, you're, you say, we are uncomfortable with our human nature. Mm we don't like we are all equal but you're not going to like the ways that we are actually equal mm-hmm. like the ways we are actually equal is that we all will fucking die that we all shit and vomit and the the nastiness of being human is actually how we're all equal mm-hmm. i mean there's beautiful parts too but like people don't you got to take the good with the bad you can't t- you can't you can't right. avoid it right and 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 we see this, I think, in the third act of the film. So, again, we're going to get into spoilers, people. So, you know, if you haven't seen this movie and you really, really want to, like, just so you know, we're going to really talk about how things end for these people. Uh, it's happening right now. Uh, <laughs> so, the boat gets blown up. Go ahead. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. That was the only part of the movie where I was like, what? <laughs> Don't you guys think? I felt like that was the only part of the movie that I thought was really far-fetched. Well, or maybe I just don't go sailing enough. I'm like, pirates? Well, well I mean, this, I mean the Molly pirates, it does happen. That's yeah. true. That's I mean, true. it's happened a couple of times. But, I mean, the, I guess the thing that was a little bit far-fetched for me was they're going on there because, A, those are all rich people, so they all have stuff they can steal. But also, they can hold them for hostage, and they have money to pay ransom. That's true. So why That's would true. they blow up the boat? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Why would they do that? I think it was an accident, or at least they didn't expect that much damage to happen. I don't know. But, like, why would they destroy the, the ship? Because that's where all their money is. They want money. Yeah. Why would they do that? I think that, it was – yeah. That, to me, that's why I say, like, the third act is a little – it's the only one that's a little, like, forced – to me mm-hmm. uh which i enjoyed the third act but we've all seen this movie mm-hmm. you know this is like, lord of the flies it's yeah, yeah lost you know. it's yeah yeah, uh, yeah but I really i really enjoy wait i'm gonna take us i'll come back to it okay but what so what i was saying was yeah the, the the boat gets blown up they end up on this island the, the few survivors and once again, the power dynamic changes, and the person that's most capable of surviving to lead them was like the toilet wench, basically, the woman who was was hired to clean the toilets, uh, is the has the most survival skills. The, the socialists took a hit on that scene, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. That scene. That boom zing. What what I like about this movie is it is talking about a lot of 
political stuff, right? It's talking a lot about like how it's, but it's removing the language. Like it's, it's actually taking us out of that political spectrum and, and talking about reality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so like when I say the socialist took a hit, I'm really just mean like, no, this is the way it actually is, right? Like the person that's doing the work should be fed, you know, because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to feed you if they don't get fed right so like like sarah is a socialist and i just kind of like looked to my left in that movie and like she was like yeah (laughs) makes sense you know but like in abundance i believe so here's uh, i believe that if you have abundance then it's easier to be a socialist and you should be Right. Like kind of like what we're talking about. With, Woody uh, Harrelson the has that yeah. whole thing where he's like, I'm yeah. a, I'm a bad socialist. I have so much more than I should have. And I don't share as much as I should. Yeah. And like, that's the yeah. whole hypocrisy of, of, I think democratic rich people. Mm-hmm. So like we, you know, we have Hollywood and we have a lot of people who talk about how, how, you know, how democratic they are, how, you know, how left wing they are. Right. And, yeah, it's like you have millions and millions of dollars. You could totally be doing more if you wanted mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, but then it's like, oh, but then I, what would I have? <laughs> that's the, I guess that's the point, isn't it? Right. But I, yeah. but I only drink champagne. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and honestly, for me, and to get into like a little bit of my personal feelings going through this movie, that is something that scares the shit out of me about being a person that's pursuing acting and like, to to a, a simpler state fame right like i'm deathly afraid of becoming that person of those people like mm-hmm. like a person a rich person with that kind of attitude and that kind of warped perception of reality and like that is horrifying cuz for everybody from outside that perspective is like that person's f- fucked up you know that person has a warped view of the world what happened to them like why are they like this and it's I, like, I am horrified of becoming that type of person. But I think like in some ways there's no avoiding it. I, that's right? why it scares me. And that's sometimes why I think I self-sabotage myself sometimes. Cause it's that fear of like what you become when you become successful is, is scary. You're going to have to, I mean, I, I don't think it's totally impossible to stay grounded, but you're going to have to bust your ass to do so, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, like just and because like that's what this movie's highlighting, right? Is that yeah. when when power exists, I mean, which is something it's like a law of nature is power corrupts, right? Like if you have power, you're going to use it mm-hmm. and eventually you're going to use it poorly, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I there's so many ways I want to go in this conversation. Uh, it's just, but it's, it's so it's, it's difficult. Cause like this movie is, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to talk about this movie a little bit. Why? Uh, <laughs> because it's, it's from, so it, it's definitely highlighting issues on both sides of the political spectrum that are rational to talk about and communicate. 
but are scary to in our current society. Like, I mean, even where we where we start in this film, like, hit me like crazy. Because you're a male model. Are you talking about the Are you talking about the model scene? Yeah, yeah. Like, like what part uh, of that? So, where we start in this movie is a place where there are. It's a very very messy uh, societal niche, right? Like male models are. Like only in a society that this that is this affluent can a male model exist, essentially, right? Uh, like that there's a supply and demand for this, okay? So like, so so this is really hard to express. What I'm saying is is like the, this guy is not not living up to normal male gender roles. He is pursuing something that is less valued uh less valued from a masculine perspective like uh he like male models are not taken seriously and not only is he a male model but he is a straight male model right which is uh, another anomaly within that world potentially i mean what that was what was portrayed in this opening sequence Mm -hmm. okay so like he is in a very unique role. So Seth, but but why male models? Oh. <laughs> My man. <laughs> it's it's not seen as a masculine thing, right? Like we can mm-hmm. we can agree that it is not viewed as a masculine pursuit i I would say there's some femininity in in male modeling but but i don't know man i think a lot of men look at male models and be like that's like peak that's how i want to look yeah yeah like i want to be cut i want to be you know or maybe we look at bodybuilders for that i don't know i but i understand what you're saying seth i understand what you're getting at like but i i think what he's my interpretation of that was exactly what you're saying plus um oh i just lost my train of thought (laughs) it was um she she gets to use her modeling and her beauty as her power yeah and his is a little less than it's an intentional it's an intentional like that's where we're starting right yes also i mean you know they they even mentioned this in the movie and they kind of make it like a very a very clear point that male models make a lot less than female models because it's such a female dominated industry Mm -hmm. for reasons, because we like to objectify women. It's a, it's an intentional, they chose this intentionally to prove the exception to the rule, right? Like in certain cultures in the male modeling culture or the modeling world, women women have have more more power and and more are, have more inherent value. Right. Mm-hmm. So what what we're what we're doing with this film is we're trying to show you that the rules aren't all like it's not black and the white. The rules change based on the based on the environment. Yes. yes, and they're constantly changing. That's what I love about the movie. Mm-hmm. And that actually 
love i know no one else does but act three is my favorite Mm. just because everything is flipped on its head Mm-hmm. Like now, all of a sudden, he is the most attractive person. Right, world. he becomes and the he, he becomes and the his, candy. Yeah, him. Yeah, him being the male model is now all of a sudden way more valuable than it was in Act One. Mm-hmm. And she lost all her power because, in now in this scenario, it doesn't matter that she's beautiful because she's not the one who's the breadwinner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or the breadwinner is not interested in her now. But yeah, there, there's just so much like, like. The end when what they're highlighting, I think, with the end of like where they're climbing the mountain is that youth will always still prevail. Like youth is power as well. So. Oh, wow. So, I never saw I, that makes a lot of so sense. So like. Though she does have the power and because she has the knowledge, inevitably the youth will win. Will outlast you. So. Yeah. So she needs the youth. Because in order to keep the matriarchal society going, mm. you, you have to just, you have to be willing to pass on your knowledge. Right. And uh, there's just so much, there's so much like this, like I'm literally, I have a lot of feelings about everything in this film because I think, mm-hmm. uh, man, are we ready to start talking personal stuff? Well, I would love to just talk about the very ending real quick. Yeah. Real quick. So we talk about uh, Yaya, the young female model. Uh, It's like, I want to go explore the island um, and just like see more of what's here. Um, And so uh, Abigail, who was the toilet cleaner, who is now like the leader of this group of survivors, is like, okay, I'll go with you. And she does struggle to get up the mountain. She's a little bit older. She's a little bit more frail. and Yaya seems to take it no problems, take this hike no problem. They get to like another part of the island and they discover and I knew this was coming too. I watched too many movies. I was like I was like, they're they're not on a they're not on a deserted island. This island's gonna have people on it. Uh and sure enough, this is like a resort island. <laughs> um and they discover they discover that it is a resort island. And as soon and uh, sure, there's an excitement of like, oh, we're not gonna die all alone on this island, forgotten forever. There's, so there's an initial excitement, but then immediately, um, you can see that Abigail is not happy. As in, she's she realizes that she, when she goes back to her normal life, she's no longer going to be the person in power, mm-hmm. and so she. You can you can tell something's going on in her head, but then while she's she says she has to go to the bathroom, so she goes to like to pee, and while she's peeing, Yaya is talking to her about when we get back, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna you maybe you can be my assistant, and like the audacity of this woman immediately when she realizes that that her current situation is over, she's already trying to to put this woman back in her place and reclaim her own power. Mm-hmm. And she thinks she's doing something nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to help you. Like, you don't have to, like, I'm going to pay, I'll give you a job and I'll pay you. You'll serve me. And it's like, oh, honey, you're a jerk. I mean, I think that's the night, like, I don't, I, I genuinely think she's reaching out in a, a well, that's what, like, that's why it's kind of weird yeah. about it. It's, it's like, it's not inherently a mean thing. It is like, Hey, I know that you're, you're lower class. Like I know that you, you struggled to survive. 
I'm going to give you a job that's going to be way better paying and way better conditions, but you're going to be serving me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it, yep. it's a, it's like a backhanded compliment. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I am going to help you, but also, well, because you're being you know, put back into a system that exactly. you can't, there is no way to avoid how the system works. Right. Like, even there's if, no, there's no way that Abigail, when they get back into actual society could have more power than Yaya. There is no, no. way. And I mean, no. even if like they develop some sort of love triangle, right? Here's another a triangle. Uh, even if they develop some sort of love triangle, they have to have, call it, they have to have a, a way to like move through the world within it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like nobody's going to understand why this male model is fucking this old lady. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it doesn't make sense. It's a long story. We were on yeah, an island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I, and, and can we talk about like the very, very end? Yes, yeah. please. Spoiler alerts, everybody. Like we've heard, we've spoiled the whole thing, but the yes. very, very end is Abigail. While this person, the model, Yaya is telling her, like she's looking off into the ocean and she's saying, Hey, like you can be my assistant or whatever. And it's filmed brilliantly where Abigail walks towards her with a rock and they leave you at this moment. Like, is she going to kill her or not? Like, and I, I was watching it with my partner and the whole, he was like, Oh, I hated that it ended there. And I said, no, I love that it ended there. Cause now it's up to us to think about and talk about but it, what that means. It didn't in there. Was there more? Did I miss more? What the, the last shot of the movie is that's not the last shot of the movie. Oh, what was the last shot? The last shot is Carl. This last shot is... Oh, yeah, yeah you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Carl running through the wilderness. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really interesting place to end the film, personally. Uh, what do you think about that? Because uh, I don't know if I have thoughts about that. It's, where are you running, white man? Is he running towards something? Is he running away from something? Why is he running? Like, is he running to save them? Like what? Like, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a statement of, of, so what now? Like, Mm -hmm. like at at the end of the day, we're all just running through the jungle trying to survive. And, Mm -hmm. and what are we running towards and what are we running away from? So in the context of the film, I, I would just I'm just curious to see where you guys kind of land on this before we move into a little bit more like yeah, a little self reflection on it. First of all, do you think that Abigail kills Yaya in that moment? And B, where do you think Carl is running? I think she does mm-hmm. kill her. And I think Carl my interpretation was that Carl knew yeah that was happening so he went to go save them mm. i mean that entire scene throughout the entire scene when they, even when they got before they get to the beach and they're on top of the mountain i was like oh she's gonna fucking push her because like, like because if he had the most power he would right like what do you mean because of the way human nature works like he knows that the mate like abigail is the most powerful person and she's going to do anything. She's going to do anything in her power. Like he's not, he doesn't know. He doesn't know that like 
they're at a resort, right? But he does know that Abigail, the most powerful person on the island, has taken this girl away who is her only threat, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think I think Carl knows that sh- that she might be trying to murder her. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's questionable whether or not Carl knows they're on a resort because we did see back at the base camp where the, the survivors were all staying – a, a like resort hat salesman walks up to yeah. uh, uh, the German woman and is like, you want a hat? And she's like, she had a stroke, so she can't talk. But like, so basically the resort is now starting to encroach onto their, onto their camp. So at that point, Carl may have learned the truth and maybe he's running to stop her from killing Yaya yeah. because now he realizes, oh, Yaya's powers once now that we know where we are is gone. And I do not, I can be with the person I want to be with. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it matters if he knows or not. It doesn't matter. I think he has had the, I think he's just realized that she could do it. Like, and, and he know he knows because he would, I think mm-hmm. if he were the m- most powerful person. Well, that's what we've learned about Carl. Carl will do a lot of things for, for, for his own self-serving and that's where that's why I kind of landed on like this like idea of this like ugliness yeah. underneath the beauty because these a lot of them are beautiful people or at least hiding behind wealth and power for like the selfishness and the ugliness underneath. It, 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 you see that obviously with the two main characters most mostly you see when you see Yaya using her like you said using her beauty to her own to her own benefit throughout throughout the movie up until it's not useful anymore and then she she crumbles. Right. And then same with Carl. He struggles to use his beauty. And he, so he's jealous all the time. And then now all of a sudden his beauty becomes a, something of power and then he uses it. Well, and so there's this like selfishness and ugliness underneath their, their beauty and their wealth and their power that we even see corrupt. Like we say, we even see a corrupt Abigail who's supposed to be like the moral lower class, right? This idea of like the lower class has these values that are more moralistic than the upper class. And then as soon as she gets power, she's willing to murder people. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So like it's this this deep – like you said, this power corrupts. It's this ugliness under, underneath what we think is the beautiful thing of power and money. Yeah. It's gross. And it's like it's very topical too. Like it's just like exactly. everything that's happening right now. It's like if roles were reversed, what would that mean? I mean – It would be the same. Know, it, yeah. Do you think it's a coincidence they killed a donkey? Because it's because uh, it's a, a, a Republican. It's a Democrat. It's a Democrat. Democrat. Yeah, kill the donkey. Democrat. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I did, and Sarah got mad at me because she's like, "No, it's just a donkey. There's no symbolism there. It's just a, why would there be a donkey on an island, Sarah? Sorry. It's like we, we <laughs> donkeys are not native to islands. <laughs> Sarah and I got Sarah got heated. She got immediately heated. And I mean, how many wild donkeys do you are roaming around on deserted well, islands? Her perspective was that it's a very American centrist uh, statement to think that there's American politics symbolism in the film, right? That's fair. But I I push back on that and say that American politics are very influential, and it's kind of impossible to avoid them globally. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I do think choosing a a donkey was intentional because there is this this divide that has been in our country from Republicans mm. and Democrats 
And we're the, I think, especially in art circles and media circles, there is this righteous woke kind of thinking that is not connected to reality. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think what is happening there is, I mean, it was hard to kill the donkey. <laughs> it was really hard because, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, it's necessary. And I don't, I, what I'm not, I'm not saying that you should vote Republican. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is that the democratic party in order to, I think, survive is going to have to revamp. Like, I think that's what this movie is saying It's because mm-hmm. it, it, the current state of it is a idealistic perspective. And the reality is we all have to eat, you know? And I think that symbolism is there, but for me, I feel like I understood the donkey as like, when you think of a donkey, it's like a, it's a workhorse. It literally it's a beast is a of burden, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like something that it's always doing a task. It's always working. And for me, the donkey symbolized like the working class and the person who killed the donkey were the rich people. Yeah. That's, that's the symbolism I took from that scene. And it took a while for it to be killed. So that was like another like traumatic thing for me. Cause I was like, Oh, they, they, the, the point I got from that was like, you keep beating us down constantly until we're finally dead. You know what I mean? And that's, that's how I took that. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, that was like an emotional part for me. Cause I was like, Oh, it was fucked up. I mean, it was, it was so, really fucked yeah. up. So for me, it symbolized, you know, the fact that like, look, we all got to eat ass to survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got, sometimes you got to yeah. eat yeah. ass. Yeah. And, I mean, That's it was a great choice. Thank you. No matter what, like the symbolism is a great, a great choice. And I think mm-hmm. that's, and I think that's what this, like, a, like, I think it's another example of why this movie is a great piece of art. It's because those two interpretations, which are very different. What about the my and, interpretation? Well, three, three interpretations that are very different. But Don't I, discount me. But I do think, <laughs> I, I, I do think that it is pointing out the flaws on both sides of the political spectrum and ideologies mm-hmm. and, and trying to ground us in more of a, a real place. Right. As opposed right. to, uh, well, when you strip away the structure of society, yeah. quote unquote, the structure power dynamics still exist and where do they lie? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the reason, maybe the reason why our current structures don't work very well is because they're, manufactured by us right mm-hmm. well, and it has nothing to do with the the rules of the of the universe in a way mm-hmm. it's yeah I, I like i said i don't think this movie provides any answers and i don't have any no idea, no it's just like uh hey i guess we all kill each other huh well i i think there's i'm i'm trying to find a silver lining i guess in this there isn't I, one. there's not really uh there's not one this movie's not, this movie's with all its glitz and glamour and its beauty is bleak. It is bleak. It is a bleak movie. Well, okay. I remember – so uh, the line that was the touchstone I never said is that uh, beware of opti- – or beware of cynicism. Just, uh, beware of cynicism 
disguised as optimism. Beware of cynicism disguised as optimism, which was the fashion statement uh, at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what this movie is trying to do is be like, hey, uh, not you, there's this idealistic this idealistic and this is why it's hard for me to talk about because I'm I am a hopeless romantic I want everybody to be happy I want everything to be good but the truth is is it's just not going to be you know uh you can make it better and you can try to make things more fair but at the end of the day you have to like if you don't shed if you don't shed the delusion right I think another another heartbeat in this movie is in the clouds, in the clouds, head in the clouds. This German woman who yeah. can only say head in the clouds, like get your head out of the clouds, right? Like the reality of the world is that it's feral and and hard and you have to gross and gross. So like- Covered in shit and vomit. Creating these hollow ideologies that everything's gonna be okay and fine is what's preventing our progress right and i think that's really really bold of this this to this film you know because it's mm -hmm. anti it's anti-hollywood i mean it's, mm -hmm. it's very anti-wokeism yeah. it's 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 realism not wokeism you know there are mm -hmm. people on the right side that are rational just like there's people on the left side that are irrational, that are irrational. Mm -hmm. And there's irrationalities to both sides. Like, I, I'm not trying to get on my donkey here, but like, like, I'm just saying like, it's, this movie is brilliant in that it, it definitely allows you to connect with humanity for real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And shows you the humanity in places you don't expect it. And that's what the beginning of the movie is so, so beautiful to me is it's like, it's showing, it's showing this guy's vulnerability really, really early, mm. you know, which is, he's a straight white dude and they're showing that guy's vulnerability, you know, and that, and like, that's, what's hard to say, right. Is that they're vulnerable too. You know, like it's difficult for them to be, but they can be. And yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I don't know that the there's, there were several, several beats like, uh, when, the, when he stole the pretzels, uh, and he starts defending himself. <laughs> That was like straight out of me too, you know, like that little section was straight out of the me too movement. Like he takes the pretzels and then he's trying to defend himself. And she's like, stop defending yourself. She's like, you defending yourself is harming her. And like, it just, it felt, it was, it was like, it was very interesting. Um, mm. Did anybody else have feelings like that? <laughs> I actually did not. I did not have those for the 
specifically that second part that you were talking yeah. about. Even the first part. That's why I think this mu- this movie is so beautiful because I took something completely different from the movie. Like the beginning, I told you guys already. Can we get into like the personal stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely there. We're okay. definitely there. <laughs> so I felt like the beginning that you were talking about when they were talking about money, that is that was a power dynamic that like that happens in my relationship all the time. Who's paying for this? You know, <laughs> like, so that, that's how I understood that's like, I, I wasn't thinking more. I totally see where you're coming from Seth. I, but I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about more about what is the power dynamic between these people and how is it shifting and what are, what is, how does gender play into that and all these things. And in the pretzel part, I actually saw that more of a, um, um, I, I saw it more as a take on like the middle class defending rich people. That's mm-hmm. how I saw that. It's like, you don't get to talk back to like them. Mm-hmm. You're not worthy. That's how I understood that because um, I, I don't know how to describe it. I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to, yeah. Well, that is interesting. Think? Wow. I didn't think about either of those things. What did you um, think about it? Well, I just I just thought it was interesting that it, it for me it was just the I was just seeing the power struggle continue mm. where where Carl has lost all power. Like he went from being maybe not the most powerful person in the room, but like early in the movie we see him get a guy fired. We see him you know go in and and get you know get an engagement ring for for Yaya. Like so he has power. Not as much as other people, but he has it. And then they get to this island, and he has zero. He has none. Mm-hmm. He is he is the lowest, and he steals food because you know that's what happens when someone needs resources and they yeah. don't get it. Um, and you know, I feel I just felt like it was it was him just struggling to get his power back by taking what he could. Right, that was his way of exerting his power. I can take. And then, mm-hmm. and then there's a, there's a power also in getting away with it too. Right. Um, that he, but he didn't. And so he tried to as hard as he could to get away with it, but he couldn't. And so I didn't, also, I didn't read too much into it, but, but now that you guys both bring up those points, I definitely see that. Um, and what did you guys think? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear what you, yeah. I was just going to say, what did you guys think about what I, the, um, when his friends were like mocking him about sleeping with Abigail, I thought that was so interesting because like when the roles are reversed and it's a woman, you know, like that Mm. also happens. And I just found it interesting because he, now all of a sudden he got all of this power. Mm. Now he's like Abigail's concubine or, you know, Mm. and now he gets food whenever he wants, he gets all this stuff, but he also loses power as far as his like masculinity and what people yeah. think of him, Loses I just respect. thought that was so yeah. interesting. Well, yeah. but it, and it's all they can do, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the only power they have is to mock him. That's true. Is, it's kind of yeah. what comedy is, right? Yeah. It's like comedy all... is like a low, a lower class sometimes poking, yeah. po- you know, poking up, you know, yeah. punching up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, uh, that's what a lot of comedy used to be back in the day. Yeah. It's uh man 
yeah, this, just the commentary on society as a whole. I think this is one of the best allegories I've, like I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Does anybody want to talk more specifically about like your feels on this? So I, I, I'll say this, this film made me, I've mentioned on the show before, some, something that I am trying to unpack about myself is like the fact that I'm so hyper con control myself in such a very, I police myself in such a hyper way. Um, and like, why do I do that? Is it because I'm afraid of others? Is it because I'm afraid of myself? It's a little bit, it's probably a little bit of everything. Um, I am afraid of what, of what being vulnerable around others will do to me and what me making myself vulnerable can cause me to do. Um, so this film, what it made me think of, cause I will admit, that I felt very analytical watching this film. Like it was very interpreting lots of like s symbolism and, and, and metaphor and, and things like that. And so I found myself being very analytical. And when I left the film, I was like, I don't know how emotional that film got me. Mm, Other I agree. But as I thought about more and more, cause like thinking about this idea of power dynamics and things like that, it got me thinking about, what is my triangle of sadness as in, as far as like, what is the thing I use to hide behind to hide whatever ugliness I feel that I have and then use to get gain power to gain, gain favor. And so I was like, what is the thing that I use? Cause like, obviously I don't, I'm not rich, so I don't use money. I'm not traditionally uh, like a super, like what some of them might call traditionally beautiful person, you know, however, however anybody wants to interpret that. <laughs> um, but how do, what do I use to get power? What do I use to gain influence? What do I hide behind? Um, and my roommate, Justin actually probably called me out on this a little bit the other day is like, I use kindness and friendliness and goofiness to gain favor with people. So mm. like I use my charisma to get into good relationships with people and I hide a lot of the uglier parts of myself, the, maybe some of the more selfish things, maybe some of the, the darker parts of myself. I hide those behind a, a very friendly, helpful, giving, selfless, goofy person because that's what gets me moving up in the world, mm -hmm. right? And so that's my, that's my triangle of sadness. That's the thing that I use to mask like the things that, I don't want people to see the uglier parts of myself is my friendliness and my, my goofiness and it works. I'm going to be honest. It works for me pretty dang well. I've gotten a lot of opportunities in my life because people will just like me, you know, they're like, Oh, you're nice. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll throw you a bone. Cool. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily always on my merits. Well, it's how you're speaking the same language. That That's me. Mm -hmm. That's literally me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's how you have to move through the world. I don't know right? if it is, yes. though, because I think other people use, like I said, other people have beauty. Other people have are born Money. with wealth. Yeah, yeah. I think, so I don't think it's how everybody has to move. Well, I'm I saying it's how you have to move through the world. It's how I have to yes. move, right? How it's what we have I to have. survive. Right. And, oh, man. That's your power. Exactly. Oh, yeah. This is so fucking hard. Y'all, like this conversation is so hard. And I'm going to try to do this as easily, like 
because I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be authentic in this conversation. And so Ruben, I have to bring up something that happened in our relationship. Mm. And I think it's in regard to uh, kind of some of the stuff we're talking about. And it's like something I've felt a lot of, it's like one of the most embarrassing moments of my whole life. And uh, Oh, we getting juicy. We're getting juicy. I don't even know what this yeah. is. Mm-hmm. So we got really drunk one time at, at your house and I got really triggered. Oh, uh, I know what this is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm sorry. I hope you're cool. I, I, this is a scary conversation for me, like terrifying conversation for me. Cause it's one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. Um, but I've honestly just been like, I've been unpacking it with the therapist. So I kind of figured out what's going on a little bit with it. But so we're, we're talking about this, like exceptions to the rules, right? And like men being vulnerable, when, when are men vulnerable? When are they, when do they have lesser power? Right. Um, so I, I've been on honing in on some of like my own neurodiversity uh, and you know, I've always felt like an outsider in a lot of ways, um, which is uh, why I have kind of like figured out how I move through the world, right? Like, and how I move through the world is I mirror what's around me really, really well. I'm, I'm very good at camouflage, like putting on a mask to be something to fit the moment, you know? Um, and because I felt like an outsider, my best friend growing up was, uh, another outsider, uh, a gay guy. Right. And, and growing up in school and he was my best friend. And I thought that, okay, maybe I'll fit in, in the gay community. Right. So I moved to Chicago and I lived in Boys Town because it felt like the safe place for me to be. Okay. I was incorrect. Uh, it, I mean, Ruben is in, you're in Chicago now. I mean, you know, that, that world, that Boys Town world is, it can be fucked up. Like it can be like brutal. That's its own triangle of sadness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I will say there's some shit that happened while I was there. Uh, I got cornered in a bathroom once. Like, I also was back to the service conversation. I was in the service industry. The lines uh, are blurry when you're starting to be taken advantage of. You know, there's a lot going on, getting your ass grabbed. Like, and all that being said, I'm also this person who knows how to put on character, right? Like, I'm an actor like I know how to I could use my powers for evil right so there was this incident where we were at uh Ruben's house uh we were just visiting and I got really I was pretty drunk and I there was a, a trans woman there who started to pick on me she started to like make fun of me and who was it? I forget. I don't, I don't want to use names cause, oh, right. uh, but like, 
what ended up happening was is she started using her powers on me, right? Like she started trying to put me in a submissive position in that, like by, by, by mocking me, by making fun of me. And I got hella triggered. I like started crying because like I could behave like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I choose not to. And I could use my emotional powers, which men aren't supposed to be able to access. Straight men aren't supposed to be emotional. They're not supposed to be expressive. They're not supposed to use their sexual wiles to gain status, Mm -hmm. right? If I, so I, I got really upset and tried to explain in that moment what was going on, but I didn't even really know what was going on. And it came, it came off really bad. Like it came off, like I was like secretly bigoted and like maybe gay and hated myself. (laughs) Like, like that's what it came off as. And I've, I've felt so guilty about that night for forever. But I think this, I think it was really ironic that you chose this movie and this is how this movie opened is like this straight white dude who is in this position of of this is how he moves through the world which is not like i like what pisses me like i literally just got texted from sarah being like be careful how you talk about this be careful how you talk about this which i appreciate but it makes me so angry that i i have to be this careful how i talk about this you know well like to 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 give you a little bit more of like a give you a little bit more grace in this situation being that you are a a straight white man if you were to use that same tactic that this person was kind of using on you like you said it it makes you look bad right Mm -hmm. it it does not reflect good on you to defend yourself in that way right you know Mm -hmm. so like you're you're corn you were you're cornered in that way a lot of there's not a lot of options Two things I want to say to the listeners out there. One, I was fast asleep when this was all happening, so I was not involved. In <laughs> yeah, this. Ruben, why didn't um, you help? Yeah, I was fast asleep. Also, um, two things. One, I don't think that person's trans. I think they're just like an effeminate gay man. Um, we were using female terms that night. Uh, I'm that- pretty sure. I'll text you about it later. But and then the third thing is I don't talk to that person anymore because they're okay. kind of just a bad person. Well, <laughs> well, th- if they're not if trans, gives- if, if, if they aren't trans, okay, then this kind of maybe further illustrates mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Okay, I believe trans is that's real. I'm not saying it's not, but but I if this person's not trans and they were putting on a trans mask to be able to use their powers in that way, right? Like, I I don't know, I don't know the situation, but like, I have, so I'll say as frank as I can. I I have figured out how to move through the world by, ah, this is so difficult to say. 
as an actor, you can fake it, right? So, like, if I wanted to put on a mask of, of femininity and use a femininity as a means to get what I wanted, I could do that. Like, I have done drag before. I have, uh, you know, I've played female parts. Like, I'm pretty good at it because it's a part of myself that I'm not permitted to access mm-hmm. in regular society, but I know how to do it. And like, if I, if I had done that in Boys Town, right, I could maybe be rich and famous. Mm-hmm. Like I could have used, like so many powerful men have pursued me, mm-hmm. but I have created boundaries to prevent me being taken advantage of or to have my own moral compass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but the truth is, is if I wanted power enough, I could put on that, that personality, you know, Mm -hmm. and it made me mad in that moment that I was being mistreated by someone in that way, because I could do it. You know what I mean? I could turn the, turn the table. I could turn the, turn the switch and put on an, a, a more uh, an expressive and frame myself in a way uh, that that would be acceptable. Yeah. You know? I, I think what's important about that is like, you could say that about anyone, like anyone has the power to change or do whatever. We have our own, whatever your beliefs are, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has their own moral compass about what's right and what's wrong. Um, and maybe, like, I also, I was just thinking about, like, um, like maybe using your looks or something for money, right? Like yeah. that character. Mm-hmm. Maybe their moral compass doesn't think that's a bad thing. And who's yeah. to say it is a bad thing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's something the movie made me think about, too. It's like sometimes people are doing things to get by and is that bad? Mm. I don't, and something, oh, this just maybe, this just sparked something else that maybe you think about, um, you know, in the movie when the two old people were like, they got all their wealth from like literally mm-hmm. killing people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like own the, what, what was it like war weapons? Yeah. Like I was talking to my partner after, after arms the movie. Dealers, like, yeah. 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 Like. I just thought that would like, I don't, I was telling him, I was like, I don't think like, you know, if those were my parents and I inherited all that wealth, like, I don't know if I could like take that money. And we had very mm. separate views about that. He was like, oh, I would absolutely take all that money. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. And then I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean, so like, that's so interesting, Seth, what you're mm. talking about. Like we all have the power to change our moral compass to get where we need to be. And it's like, we all decide based on what we think is right and wrong, where we're going to draw that line. Right. Which I think the movie makes a great point of thinking. And, and absolutely. And, and I mean, to, to get to like the really, like just the crux of it, it's like inherently is manipulation wrong. Yeah. Mm. Inherently. Like we all are manipulating each other. Even, even if you're not really trying to you are. get anything from somebody, you want someone to look at you a certain way. You want somebody to think of you in a certain way, or you are trying to get something from that person. Like, we are inherently egocentric creatures. We are 
we can only experience the world through our own through our own experience, right? We mm-hmm. we we view everything through through us, mm-hmm. and so even subconsciously, you're kind of always trying to gain something from another person. Even your best friends in the whole world, you want you you Love know even when you're being vulnerable and real with them and and open with them, you yeah you're getting something from them, and so like you you do things to manipulate and get what you want. So is manipulation inherently bad? And it's like, no, not really. But it doesn't make you feel good about what you're doing. Well, um, I think that's a, I mean, I think that's another podcast. Like, I think that's yeah, a big debate. We could do a whole, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that's a big debate. Like good and evil, whether or not, whether or not it's inherently wrong is a complicated question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all do it. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you for letting me talk about that because it's something I have. Well, yeah, I, I think about it a lot. I think about that yeah. night a lot. Seth, and, Seth, uh, um, just as uh, you know, as your your friend, something I, that we've talked about before, and I, I see you do a lot is, and you've you've talked about this. You look at yourself kind of as a genie sometimes. Yeah. You your your one of your masks is submissiveness. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I do that as 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 well. You know, we talk about being people pleasy, but um, like, it's it's you use your your the fact that you will give somebody what they want to your advantage. Yeah, you know, and and I think that in that moment, uh, you know, that you're talking about your, I think your instinct is to submit, even when you're being attacked, is to submit, and only when you're pushed to a very you know, kind of like we see Carl in this movie, in that in that Bill scene, mm-hmm. he's literally in a corner. You know, we see we see uh, Yaya has the re- the rest of the restaurant open behind her. There's like the other room. There's the window. She has all this space behind her. And then we look over to Carl, and he's up against a wall, and there's nothing. He's literally back against the wall, and it's only at that point that he is able to. He like it's like I have to. I have to stand up for myself in this moment, right? Yeah. And, and I feel and, like I feel like I see you do that too, and I'm like that as well. But like, it's you're gonna let somebody come after you until there's literally nowhere else for you to back up to. And and that that night, I felt like I, I remember like, why is this person treating me like this? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, and and what made me so mad was that I I could I could do that. You know, like I could do what you're doing. I mean, whether or not it's like a femininity, any character, if you have the ability to put on the character of, and I'm not saying character is in like a made up something. I'm saying character as like an act, like an ability, like, like your character. If you have that in your character, like if you have an ability to use a part of your character to gain power, like, should you, you know, like I have that ability in my character and I don't use it to gain power. Right. And so it made me angry in that moment because it was like, I could do what you're doing to me, to you. Do you see that? Like, that's what I was trying to express. And that's what I'm still trying to express. And it's, it's like, and it may, you know, that's like something I'm working on actually is like, I do have access to power that I don't access. Right. And it's out of fear and trauma and societal rules 
you know? Um, and yeah, and I think that this movie highlights a lot of those things, you know? Um, and especially, especially the, the first act is like a slice of life in, in terms of what we're dealing with, with moral complexity in our, in, in the society, you know, mm-hmm. even and, just the model part, the, when they're talking about, like, it was funny when I was watching like Balenciaga, H and M, but really what he was saying there is there's two different types of people that you have to appeal to people that you have to lie to and say, everything's going to be okay. And other people you have to appease to by saying, I'm looking down at you. You can never afford this. Yeah. And that was, I didn't just now talking about that. I'm just like, Oh shit. I did not pick that up when I was watching it. I just thought it was something funny that was happening. But Mm -hmm. after watching the movie, I was like, Whoa, this is some deep stuff. Yeah. This movie is fucking. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you both for sharing. Thank you both for, for, uh, talking. Thank you all at home for listening. I think that's a great place to conclude our discussion today. I know we could go longer. We always can. Yeah. Uh, there's always so much to unpack, but I think that's where we can call it for today. Ruben, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, uh, please, uh, go ahead and shout yourself out to the people listening at home. So they, where they can find you, how they can follow you and yeah. uh, all the great stuff you're doing. Thanks. So it's my Instagram is Ruben David Adorno. And um, that's really the only social I use. So, okay. and this has been really fun, you guys. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, man. Yes, yeah, thank you so much. Me. We've really loved having you. Uh, Seth, go ahead and shout yourself out. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Seth Adam Crow or Twitter at The Birdie Word. That's one word T H E B I R D Y W O R D. Yeah, uh, that's all I'm going to do today. Okay. (laughs) And I am Ricardo Boy Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Boy Diaz on Instagram and TikTok. And you can find this show, the What's It About Film Podcast, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. On Twitter, it's WeAPodWhat. On Instagram, it's What's It About Podcast. And at TikTok, it's What's It About Pod. Uh, And uh, yeah, we have episodes come out every Friday morning at 9 a.m. on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's where you can find us there. Uh, for new episodes and remember get involved if you want us to do a specific movie if you want to uh, want us to talk about something if you want to be on the show if you're any of our listeners out there that want to come on the show and talk we would love to have you come on because we know a lot of you are also big film fans and artists as well so it's time for us to talk about what's next uh, and in my research it's my turn to pick uh, you know I always like to pick something that at least is like has something to do with like current what's going on currently um, so I did some research. Aladdin ha- just had its 30th anniversary, uh, or it will have uh, by the time our next episode would come out. Uh, Eight Miles having its 20th anniversary. Silver Lines Playbook is having its 10th anniversary. So there's lots of good stuff to choose from. Um, Three Billboards is having its fifth anniversary, and Martin McDonough obviously just had uh, uh, Banshees of Inishirin, uh come out, which is getting big success. And we're big fans of Martin McDonough on the show with In Bruges, so we love Martin McDonough. However, there's one movie that's coming out that I f- feel like is an important cultural movie, uh, which is Black Panther Wakanda Forever Yeah, uh, is coming yeah. out. Um, however, I don't want to subject our listeners to have to go to the theaters twice 
in, in you know two weeks in a row if they want to hear us talk. So instead, I thought it might be a good idea for us to go back uh, and watch Black Panther. Definitely. Um, so uh, I would love for us to discuss Black Panther next week. So if you want to watch uh, Black Panther along with us, you can catch it on Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Vudu, Google Play, uh, and that is where you can find it. Um, most of those are subscription services so or to rent. Uh, thank you both so much for being here. Uh, thank you all at home for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Adios.